Welcome to episode 140 of the Women of the Military podcast. This week, my guest is Tiff Marcello. Tiff is a veteran, Army nurse, and holds a BS in nursing and a master's in public administration. She believes and writes about the strength of families, the endurance of friendship, heartfelt romance, and is inspired daily by her own military hero husband and her four children. She is also the author of Once Upon a Sunset, The Key to Happily Ever After, and The Journey to the Heart series. In today's interview, we talk about her military experience of enlisting in the Army and then becoming a ROTC cadet and graduating with her nursing degree. We also talked about her four years on active duty and how everything changed when September 11th happened and the challenge of transitioning out of the military when she left the military to be a military spouse and mom. And then we ended the interview talking about her new book, which is called In a Book Club Far Away. I hope you enjoy this interview, so let's get started. You're listening to Season 3 of the Women of the Military Podcast. Here you will find the real stories of female service members. I'm Amanda Huffman. I am an Air Force veteran, military spouse, and mom. I created Women of the Military Podcast in 2019 as a place to share the stories of female service members past and present with the goal of finding the heart of the story while uncovering the triumphs and challenges women face while serving in the military. If you want to be encouraged by the stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. Welcome to the show, Tip. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. So we met because you wrote a book called in a book club far away and it's about a military spouse group and it includes people who are like me military spouses yes. but also active duty members who are military spouses and so we're going to talk more about the book at the end but i just wanted to mention it so that people could have it in their mind and then they'll hear it again at the end so let's get started with why did you decide to join the military yeah you know i the origin story is always so interesting. So I'm a granddaughter of veterans. So my grandfather was in World War II as a, in the first Filipino infantry. He was a Filipino soldier of the United States. So, and then my grandparents on my mom's side, they were in the Philippine army and she was an army nurse. And then my grandpa was in the Philippine Navy. So it was like both. I had a U.S. veteran grandparent and then I had Philippine veteran grandparents on my mom's side. And like the summer of my 16th birthday, I went back to the Philippines to visit my family. And I got to see that grandpa who was in the U.S. Army. And he was, um, you know, struggling with a little bit of dementia, but we got to talk a lot. And I learned so much about him. And what I did is that I had decided that summer that I would join the army, which is what I did. So I came back and as soon as I could, I was the one that reached out to the recruiter. My parents didn't even know, <laughs> if you can just imagine. And the guy showed up at our house. The recruiter showed up at our house, right? And um, talked to me because I was not 18 at that time. And my parents had to sign the my contract because I was not 18. And that summer I went to basic training. So I was not 18 yet. It was called the split up program. The army had that program where you can enter at your 17th birthday and then after for a basic. And then after you turn 18, 
then you can go to AIT, which is advanced individual training. So that's what I did the summer before my junior and senior year of high school. I went to basic. I was like the youngest soldier there. I didn't know a thing. It was very scary, but I learned so much and was totally pumped and was expecting to go to AIT after graduation from high school. And that same recruiter came back that fall of my senior year and said, hey, do you know about the ROTC scholarship? So his time was done with me, right? Because he signed me up. I went to basic. All he had to do was produce me at AIT and I, that would have been good to go. And he came with the application. He's like, you know what? Your grades are so good. You signed up to be a 91 Bravo, which is a combat medic in the army. How about nursing school? And the thing is that my, my mom had already said, I really want you to do healthcare and be a nurse. And so that was already in my mind. So it kind of melded together. I signed up for that scholarship and I got a four-year scholarship to ROTC and I went to school. And my reserve time from before ROTC kind of, that all became reserve time. And then I entered active duty after college and served four years in active duty um, as a registered nurse um, with the army. So did the ROTC time count as like reserve or did you have to drill? Yeah, it was counted as reserve time because I had started going to drill when I was in high school. So they considered my drill time um, ROTC. So when I got out, I had a total of nine years. It was really interesting. I thought I would have had to serve an extra four years after my ROTC time, after my um, active duty time. But they said no, because you signed up when you were 17. We kept the, the clock running. So I was like, wow, that's wonderful. So it was it was a great way to jump into the military. It was so to be enlisted first and to have been raised that way and going to drill with all of these adults, you know, and then coming into college life. It was a great way to start my army career. And what a cool story that you're a recruiter. Because sometimes you hear so many bad things about recruiters and they're not all bad. He told, he told me I was the last and the greatest. I don't, he probably just said that just to make me feel better because recruiters are great at, at making you feel good and strong. But he drove me to the airport so that I could go to basic training and he commissioned me. It, I mean, he was part of that commissioning ceremony. So that was a big deal. I was able to find him. And by then he had been retired for a long time, you know, and for a few years and he came back to watch me get my second lieutenant rank. So that was really such a proud moment for me. What a cool story. I have chills like running yeah. everywhere. That's just so, it's just so cool how like one person can have such an impact on your life. And like, obviously it meant something because you went and found him and then it meant something to him because he took the time to show up. Yeah, I think that that's where like recruiting really does the right thing because he saw me for my skills and he saw my, he knew my grades, right? And all the times that we talked. So he knew that, okay, her grades she can go to school with these grades. And then she, and then he asked, do you want to do this or not? It was purely like he allowed me to make decisions, but you know, I was already in the army. So I think he just wanted to steer me towards the right path. And I was, I was already in my mind. I was thinking after AIT, then I would go the combat medic way, which is, you know, as an army nurse, I worked with a ton of combat medics and to, so I would have ended up in that environment but to have gotten that experience with him was just is really special. And you're right. It takes one person. And I always believe that, you know, when it comes to publishing as well, when it came to publishing, it took one agent, it took one book deal, and it just took one person at a time, one reader at a time. So it's been a, it's been a journey. Yeah. Sometimes 
get caught up in the numbers and like you, when you think about those numbers are like literally people and not numbers you're yeah. like oh that's like if I had a hundred people in my house that's a lot of people but if you think of like a hundred oh that's not so many but that is a lot and then like one person grows to two people and yeah right yeah so was there anything from your time during ROTC that really stuck out or that you learned more about yourself during that time yeah that was a growing period of time so I, I learned a lot about myself and that was, that's the, those are the years that I met my husband too. So he was an ROTC as well. So I, we've really grew up together in that sense. I feel like ROTC, you know, ROTC, you graduate from ROTC and you get a commission. So it was a different way of thinking about where you are in the unit. And I thought that was really helpful. So when I came into the army, I understood, you know, the chain of command and how everybody really works together to try to make this cohesive team. So I realized that all my 91 Bravos and 91 Charlies, they have their chain of command and they have their specific skills and I have my skill. And together we make a unit, a medical unit, you know? So I, I, it was great to have both the knowledge of both for sure. I met my husband during ROTC, oh, so that's <laughs> so kind of a cool like connection. Yeah, your kids. I mean, if you think about it, even though you're not, because folks are joining the army at 18 like me, but also it, it's like you're these young adults still at 18, 19. I mean, looking back, me signing up in high school and looking now at my children who are in high school, I'm like, man, no wonder my mom cried sending me out the door. <laughs> she's like, she's just a child. But there's so, but I, she can say that and I can say that, but these are the folks that, these are the majority of the folks that are in our military and, and they do such great work and selfless work. So. Yeah, that's really cool that we have that connection, the common connection. Yeah. But yeah. ROTC, I think, is a great way to get your education paid for. And like it's you like slowly get closer and closer to being in the military. And so it's over time instead yeah. of like boot camp, which was probably a little more like in oh, your yeah. face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I was just I must have been in shock for like nine weeks, <laughs> you know, but I came out of there running pretty fast, running fast, able to shoot a weapon and throw a grenade and know how to put on my uniform. Um, and I came out of there being really proud. So it was a great experience. Yeah. So where did you go for your first assignment? Uh, Heidelberg, Germany. Ooh, exciting. So I did my entire active duty time there because by then 9-11 had started. And that was where I um, got out of the army and my husband remained in. But we've, we had two kids at that time. And, you know, with 9-11, it changed the whole landscape. You know, uh, you probably, you remember this, you know this. It went from not thinking about deployment at all. I mean, yes, you, you thought about going to Bosnia, but it was like a rare thing. It wasn't like uh, uh, assumed, right? And then 9-11 happened and it's like a whole year of fear. And for me, it wasn't more about my safety. It was more about my children and that we were in Europe, right? So at that time, it was worrisome because we didn't know how stable Europe was during 9-11. So, and I, we lived out in the economy and I was checking underneath my car every morning to make sure that everything was good. And I had two babies or pregnant, had baby and then pregnant with one. So at that point, I made the decision to go ahead and get out of the army, which I don't at all regret because I'm still in the army with my husband. So, yeah. So let's talk about September 11th. When did you go on active duty? 
Active duty was uh, 98. Okay. And so I guess let's just talk about like what was September 11th like, especially being in Germany and experiencing it from... I don't think I've really talked about that type of experience. Well, it was scary because it's unknown, right? So we lived out in the economy in this tiny German town. Our neighbors were amazing. But you started hearing all the news and what we felt is the effect of all of that. So everybody was on alert, but I had a baby. And then we had to make sure our family care plans. It was one of the first thing that we got set, right? your family care plan set. And of course our family care plan was set, but we never thought about it until 9-11. Then I said, oh my gosh, how am I going to get my baby to my mom? Right. And then I worked at the hospital and we just didn't know what was going on as because there's no internet, right? We're just waiting for news. So that was a, a, for me as a mom had to be my biggest fear was because I didn't know how safe it was going to be for my child. And um, I wasn't sure what that would mean in terms of deployments. And because of that fear, I was like, I, I, I can't. And I was pregnant with my second, of course. And I was like, it's time. But it was, it was pretty scary for a while. And it totally changed the way I thought about family and motherhood. And um, because there's always that balance of being dual military. Um, I felt at the moment I came in of, okay, I'm working these hours in the hospital and he was doing this and that, and he was a company commander, right? So like who was, who was in charge of anything? Like we weren't, it was kind of like passing the baton, which is what real life is. But I knew there was a choice and I wanted more control over, over that in case we both got deployed. So as soon as I was able to, I got out. And luckily I was not deployed at that time or none of us, neither one of us was deployed at that time. He deployed, I think about six months after I got out of the army, you know? So it was, it was a tumultuous um, like decision to get out uh, because I love the army. I mean, it was, I loved putting on the uniform and I joined when I was 17. This was not forced. It wasn't because of money even, right? It was because I wanted to. So, and I envisioned myself when I got commissioned as a second lieutenant, I envisioned myself staying in as a career nurse, but things change. The world changed and, and things changed. And the balance of what my life cycle as an officer and his life cycle as an officer, I don't know if we would have converged. And I think marriages are affected by that. And then my book kind of discusses it, you know, it's fiction, but there's a little bit of me and my husband there where whose job is more important when you're both in and where do we go to next? Like, who are we following? Because it's never really equal all the time. Like he and I have, you know, my husband and I have this amazing partnership. He's supportive. I'm supportive of him, but it's not 50-50 all the time. It's like 90-10, <laughs> like 85-15. You know, it's like, you know, the flux is there. So my decision, and it was purely mine, my decision is not to, it was too much for me to think of my kids. Uh, I was, I knew that it would stress me out. And do you think September 11th had a lot to do with it? Like before September 11th happened, you guys were like, oh, we're both active duty. We have kids. It's complicated, but yeah, we can do this. And then September 11th happened and you're like, wait, it was the threat of deployment. Honestly, it was a threat of deployment and dual deployment. We made a choice to have kids. So I was like, I am, I cannot, when I had to leave my, okay. So back then uh, maternity leave was only six weeks and I, I put my baby in daycare at five and a half weeks. That was, as a mom, that was probably one of my most 
horrendous experiences because that's way too early. He couldn't even really hold his head up. Not that great. I think it would have been different if I was in the army today. And there, I feel like there's more accommodation, rightly so, because back then I just couldn't do it. And, and to think of putting another child through that, I was like, no. And then to think that I wouldn't see my kiddo, uh, I don't know if I could do it. Other people can, and that's totally fine, but it was just not something that I could do because I was already broken up trying to leave my kiddo before two months old. You know what I mean? I was already broken up. It was very easy for me. It was an easy decision. It was hard because that meant a fork in the road, right? That meant me taking the other side. So that transition for a while, I had a good six months where I was very sad. Yeah. I like the way you just described it, that it was a fork in the road. That really resonates with me. And the crazy thing is, so I got out in 2013 and Maternity leave was still six weeks. Oh, I did not. Okay. So yeah, I wasn't sure like what it is now. And my husband told me that one of the people at his office, his wife just had a baby and he gets six weeks. And I was like, that's crazy that it went from the woman got six weeks and now, now women get 12 weeks and at least in the Air Force and you get 12 weeks and the husband in the Air Force gets six weeks. They would have been different. It was six months after you had a baby, you could deploy when I got out and now it's over a year. Yeah. And that was the thing. Like all, it was so, so narrow and at six weeks, like my, and you know, I don't mind saying this cause I'm a nurse. Right. But I was still lactating. Right. And I was still dealing with mastitis. You know, I was, there were some real body changes still at six weeks postpartum. You are just getting your check in you know, they have just approved you, you know, there's the six week post and I had a C-section. So it it was like, uh, it was a lot to ask. And now looking back and seeing what are, what's asked of women and what's asked of men, it really goes to show what we ask of women soldiers and how we're just, we are really just supposed to take it because it's a man's world still. But I wasn't going to feel guilty about that part, right? I was like, I'm doing the best for my kids the way I want to and the best for my body. I mean, I was, and I think that at six weeks, you're still dealing with blues. And it makes you wonder, like postpartum depression and postpartum blues, like how much of that is with our soldiers back then, with our female soldiers back then who were having their babies. So it really was, it was a great decision. Um, but it was a sad decision that I had to make, but I don't regret it because now, of course, we're down this road, you know, 18 years later, um, it's good to go. So I really resonate with the, it was so hard to leave the military because it was a fork in the road, but like now that I'm six, seven, I guess I'm seven years, almost eight years past that. And I'm like, why would I have wanted to stay? Like, <laughs> I'm so much happier now. Yeah. And I, I think that especially because deployments kept coming. I mean, so I think I would have had a hard time making a decision if I was in for like 10 years, right? It would have just torn me up even more. But now that we have seen the operational tempo in the last, you know, 16, 18 years, I'm, I'm just, we're already tired, and right. we are not, we're both, he's the only one in. If we were both in, I, I don't know. I don't know where my brain, cause I'm pretty ambitious. So that's the thing. Like I also had to look at myself and you know, that whole transition. So for six months, like I just honored me being sad. I was a nurse. I was already aware with my first baby that 
I had the blues. So after I had my second son and I got out of the army because I had him first and I got out of the army, I honored it. You know, I was like, you know what? It's okay to be sad right now. And I did, I don't know what, I scrapbook everything. You know, I did all these like very like methodical things in order for me to like kind of work through this change in career and how I'm not going to put on the uniform anymore. That no one really, well, this is what I thought, right? Like when you walk, when you're on post and you have a uniform, you are somebody, right? That's what I thought. And so it's the whole thing of, okay, I don't get to wear this uniform anymore. I am not a label, but I think that it was a good thing to go through because I think everybody goes through this in the span of their lives. Like, especially as you reach, you know, middle age, I'm in, I'm over 40. I'm not struggling with who I am because I think I already did that. I already understood that this is my value. And so I'm not, I'm in my forties and I, I feel pretty solid but I, I wasn't solid when I first got out. I was like, wow, this is really tough. Like, who am I? Yeah. And I don't think the military talks about that enough. And like, I think it's partly because it's a male dominated and like their solution is you find yourself by getting a new job. And it's like, but that self-discovery process, it was painful. <laughs> and I really yeah. didn't like it. You know, And I even tell my husband, because my husband has 23 years in, right? And I told him, I'm like, it's okay to think about it. You know, it's okay. We can talk about it. You know, he probably thinks I'm so silly, right? Because I'm always like trying to pull, trying to pull the emotions, but I'm a writer, right? So I'm okay with emotions. And I'm also, I did labor and delivery and postpartum nursing. I deal with them. I had dealt with emotions, but I always tell him like it, it's going to be okay for you to make this change. If you get a job, that's not the job that you think that's fine. Because the first like year, you're not really going to know if you're going to like it. So there's no pressure whenever it's, you know, whenever he does get out or whenever he retires, you can be what you can be a little fuzzy for a little while. And that's okay. Yeah. And and so many people switch careers after that first year and, or they try and rush through that transition. I've been doing, I did a talk and I was like, yeah, transitions, they take time. There's no way to squeeze the time shorter. <laughs> like if no. you squeeze it shorter, that just means it's going to actually take you longer. So you might as well just wait yeah. the six months to a year to transition. And I remember like saying like, oh my gosh, you know, I remember looking at my uniform and saying, uniform and saying no one's going to call me Lieutenant so-and-so anymore. Like when, and then, and then that transition into being a military spouse for, you know, like when you go into a group, I am not in the crew. I am not in that circle. So for me, now I'm looking at different people to speak to. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like, cause whenever we went to like a function, right. You have your other soldiers that you can talk to about work because work is such an easy conversation. And then now you're in a different situation where you are a military spouse. And now it's like, okay, where are my fellow military spouses? So it was an eye opener. It was truly an eye opener because there is that delineation and it's just, you have to change. And sometimes it feels easier to go back and hang with the military people. And then they're looking at you and they're like, why are you over here? (laughs) And, And that's the thing I'm always like, I used, you know what I mean? It's like, but so yeah, it was, it was a, it was a true transition. So I'm, I'm 
I'm just glad that over the years that I got to meet some amazing military spouses that accepted me for me. I don't have to say what my resume is. And I think that's the beauty about military spouses in general. Like whenever you move to a new place, like you don't have to explain, like you just understand I am here because I'm in support of my service member and let us help one another. Yeah. And like, it doesn't matter the differences with like race or religion. It's like, you're my neighbor or you're in my husband's unit or my wife's unit and I need someone. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you don't have to say you need, it's like, it's sort of like, I don't know. I've always been comfortable coming into, I mean, it's hard to move. Um, We're moving again this summer, but already, you know, I checked in with the spouse group over there on Facebook and then another spouse reached out via DM you know, and said, Hey, I'm coming from Europe. And then I, you know, I texted or whatever DM back and I don't know this person, but I'll know them when I get there, you know? And, and so, and it's not strange. Yeah. One time we were moving, my husband was like, you became friends with her on Facebook. I'm like, well, we're going to be friends. Like, <laughs> I don't know what the problem is. Yeah. He's like, you don't know this person. I'm like, uh, she's a military spouse. I'm pretty sure I know her. <laughs> and I always say like, Facebook is great at this. If I see mutual friends, I'm like, all right, it's good. Now, if I meet somebody who doesn't have even six degrees of separation, then I'm like, okay, maybe they were just out of the net, That, but it's a signal for me to get to know them before I can trust them. But if I look at their Facebook shared friends and there's like six or seven, I'm like, okay, somebody's already vetted. <laughs> It's all, it's all good. So we can go in and if you need eggs, I will give you eggs. Like it's, it's all fine. So how did you go from nursing to writing? Cause I feel sometimes weird cause I'm a civil engineer and then I'm now I'm a writer and a podcaster. So I'd love to hear about that story. So it's interesting because I wanted to be a writer from when I was like eight, eight, nine, 10, I was reading a lot, but my parents are immigrants and they were like, no. You need to eat. You can write. Yes, you can continue to write, but you need to think of a career. And my mom was like, well, you know, you're very caring and you're a people person. So how about some, something in healthcare? She's like, why don't you become a nurse? So that was already in my head. And I still enjoyed my, uh, my writing classes and I love to read. And I just kept up with that. And then that whole thing with my recruiter. And then I got out of, and when we were in Germany, I saw you know, back then we had magazines, right? We didn't have the internet. So magazines, and there was this thing about an adult writing class and it was via correspondence, via letters, right? So I was typing up essays, sending it to this, who knows who this teacher is? I mean, he probably has all my stuff. He probably published it, who knows? And he, you know, gave me his feedback. And so that kept going and I kept reading and I, you know, I, I was a civilian nurse, and I opened my own business. And then at some point I was like, you know what? Time is moving. Time is moving and look at my husband. I mean, that was really a, the thing. So I would look at him and I was like, where is he in his career? Oh my gosh, he's at, he's at 10 years now. You know what I mean? Like he was like my timestamp, you know, he's got company command. And then that was, there was a next step. And then there was a next step. And I was like, where, am, where am I? in this whole thing. And I went to grad school for nursing and not nursing, but public administration and all this. But I knew in my heart that let me revisit writing a book. And when I was um, pregnant with my fourth kiddo about 10 years ago, she turned 11. 
um, the other day. When I was pregnant with her, I said, you know what? I'm going to do this thing full time. I'm just not full time, but seriously. And so I started to write seriously. I started querying agents when she was a year old and I got my agents almost five years ago. And I've published six books since then. And I'm contracted for a few more. So I'll have 10 books by the end of next year. That's amazing. That's so awesome. So it's, I think that I just kept coming back to this dream. But at the same time, I was still working part-time as a civilian nurse whenever it allowed. Because you're raising a family. So, and we have four children. So we were trying to save up for, for college and all the little, everything, right? That, so I continue to work as a nurse. So everything kind of works out, right? Because I got this degree that I could pop in and out of, and we just saved, continue to save my our money. And then when he got to the 18 year mark or 19 year mark, and I got my agent, I was like, I really want to do this full time because writing takes time, as you know. And he said, you know what? I think we can do it. I think we can swing it. So it was a, a, a partnership. He, I consider him my business partner. Like he is, he is a great sounding board and he doesn't look at things too personally. You know what I mean? So that he can give me, cause I'm very personal. I'm very like emotional and he's so straightforward. And he was like, you know what? let's do this. You can do this. And then sure enough, it just kind of took off from there. I mean, it still took years beforehand. It's like right now is the tip of the iceberg, but you know, there was so much below the water that I was working on and it's just been such a great journey. That's so cool. And I really want to talk about the book because it's about a military spouse book club and then the friendship that formed and it is fiction, but there's so much I mean, you know that it's written by someone who has experienced military spouse life because there wasn't a point where I was like, that would never happen, you know? It was all like, it's funny because we were talking before and you said that some of the civilians are like, what? I don't understand. But as a military spouse and a veteran, like it was so many like things where I was like, oh yeah, that happened and that happened. I'm so glad that you connected because there are a lot of little things like little details that I didn't know if folks would take the wrong way. Like there was a detail where um, Sophie was at the sink or cleaning something and her husband came from behind her and she was like shocked. Like who is holding me? Who put their arm around me? Because she, she still wasn't sure she's cause he had just come home from deployment and it, she wasn't used to somebody else holding her and being there at night, you know, because that's how sometimes I feel like, because my husband now is not deployed, but he goes on TDY quite often. And so sometimes if I'm in the middle of, you know, my earbuds are in and I'm doing the dishes, sometimes he'll come from behind and I'm like, whoa, you know, shocked because I'm thinking all the kids are in bed, but it's because I'd forgotten that he is home. You're still getting used to things. I mean, (laughs) yeah. And my husband before COVID, he was gone all the time. And like, And I would get used to like him being home on the weekend and then leaving on Monday. And like, we had this system and then COVID and I was like, why are you still here? I know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) You know, we were at, um, we were at the war college up in um, Carlisle and they could come home for lunch. Right. Seriously. My brain was not thinking that because kids were off at school. He was off to work quote, and I am like writing. 
but I'm still in my pajamas, my hair, you know, all this stuff. I have not prepared for anybody to be home. And he just walks in through the door and I literally screamed. I was like, what are you doing? You know, because it just, that is not even in my purview. So you said this is your sixth book. And so why did you decide for this book to focus on the military spouse community? So this book has been in my head for years. And I feel like the full ideas come when they're supposed to come. Because like right now, I'm writing one book, but I'll, but already have like three ideas going on in the back of my head. And then it, once I pick up an idea, I'll, pr- I'll go onto my app and I'll jot down that idea for that specific storyline. So I've been working on this for many years. And it just so happened that it just came together. The idea of book club, the idea of military spouse groups. It it just, I think that those things are like the, those are the magic parts that I can't explain. And I knew for a fact that it was time for me to write it because when I drafted it, the first, when I drafted it, which means I'm not really editing, I'm just brain dumping. It only took six weeks. Truly fast. (laughs) The editing took the rest of the year, right? With my editor, but That's how much was in my head that was placed on the page. All of a sudden, like I knew who the characters were, who the three characters were. And I knew what I knew that they had to have had a falling out. So it was just a matter of trying to outline the best I could and then writing it all down. But I've always been part of book clubs. Like I've been in book clubs for about 15 years, both civilian and military book clubs. And then of course, my military spouse friends, I feel like it was such a great connection because book club friends also are very special because book with book clubs, you get to know people really intimately. And sometimes the people that show up at book club are like people that you would have never even thought to be friends with. You know, they just run in different circles or perhaps they're the reader that doesn't really leave their house. Right. Or sometimes they come in and they have big ideas and totally different ideas but because, but one book unites you for those, you know, three, three hours and you get to know people really, really intimately. So I would say so many of my best friends were part of the book clubs that I've belonged to because I think they know me for me because of the emotions that I feel from book club. It's, you know, I can talk to, I can do a podcast with you and other people because I'm talking about my book, but it's actually really hard for me to talk about me right? Because I feel like that's not really interesting. I am not really interesting person, but because we're talking about a book, I feel like I can bring something to the table. And I think a lot of people, I don't know, for me anyway, I like holding a book and then bringing a book and then bringing wine or, you know, you're showing up with something, right? You're just not like, at sometimes at a military function, it's I feel very awkward. That's just me. I'm, I'm fairly, sh- I, I would say I'm a fail. I'm an introvert. So when I come into a mill, I'm, I am stiff. I'm tense because I just be okay and not say anything too silly. <laughs> but when I come to book club, I'm ready to talk about the book. So I'm very relaxed and I'm like ready to talk about characters and, and why is this plot so good? Oh, why is this so horrible? You know, and you get to know people super, super well. Yeah. And one of the things that I really liked about the book club was that it included so many military spouses that people don't think about. Like there were male military spouses, there were active duty members who were military spouses. And then like Sophie isn't married and she's one of the, mil- I mean, she's, yeah, she's a military spouse. And so, and then you had like the traditional military spouse. And so I love 
the dynamics because so often when we talk about like military spouses, especially in society, they're women, they stay at home and the infertility that you cover, there were just so many different aspects of like all these different situations that people go through, through military life. And we don't usually talk about those dynamics and how challenging they are when you're moving, when your spouse is deploying. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I tried not to overload it too much, you know, but at the same time, like these characters really spoke to me. I, I think that's where like in the year of editing them, I really got to know them for who they are. You know, in the beginning, whenever you create a character, you kind of have to put labels on them, right? Because you have to start with a shell. But then as you write them, you realize, oh my gosh, this is really this person. And sometimes, and that's just because I'm a writer, like these people are real to me, you know? So Sophie is real, like Adelaide is real and Regina is real. And in terms of like the population, I really wanted to populate it with those people that I saw, you know, um, a diverse population. And in fact, I made a little bit of a mistake because in my first drafts, I had same sex, I had same sex couple there. But then I realized that 10 years ago, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was still in place. So I had to take them out. But if I were to write that today, just if the flashback was today and it was 10 years from now, right, then I would have had a same sex couple in there because I feel like it's important to show that you know, military communities are super diverse communities. And I've loved that. I feel like my kids are growing up in what the world should look like, you know, and I feel like it's, it is truly a conglomerate of, of folks that can really learn from and that you can grow with, you know? So, but yeah, thank you so much for noticing. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the, my favorite parts about military spouse groups is that they're so diverse and. And you could, you really learn you learn from folks and makes you humble. You know, you never assume like what Sophie said, right? You never assume you, you, when you're in a group of military spouses, there's no chance for you to show off. Like, I don't feel that way. Cause I'm like, you just never know who you're speaking to because military spouses are often underestimated. So that person in front of you could be a PhD, you know, that person in front of you could be a business owner, you know, and that person in front of you could be like the best mother ever. Right. But coming upon folks, I have learned to be more empathetic because I understand in the communities that I belong to that, that we are just so different. But somehow in those two years, somehow we are able to get together. I mean, I I don't know how we do it. (laughs) I don't either. Yeah. Somehow, like, I I know this person is completely different, but somehow it's like the mission, you know, the, the mission becomes our mission because we've got to keep it together. Yeah. And you go through those like really hard moments or really difficult situations. And then it's just, yeah. So I really enjoyed it. I realized how much I love fiction because I get to read so many, I get to read so many nonfiction and I'm like, so when I got fiction, I was like, yes, yes. (laughs) And then I couldn't put it down. I like can't put fiction down. It's my favorite. Well, that's the best because fiction, I mean, I I read some nonfiction, but mostly fiction, but that really, I appreciate that. Yeah. I just read so many memoirs and stories and, and like self-help books. And yeah, those are amazing too, for sure. So it was really fun to read. If someone wants to order their book, I'll put the links in the show notes, but you can say them here so that they don't have to go find the show notes. Yeah. So you can grab my books from bellcantobooks.com. 
or onemorepagebooks.com or your local Target. I'm going to go to Target and find Thank it you. just to take a picture. <laughs> take a picture and send it to me for sure. I love, I love being tagged on fo- photos because it, it really just excites me. Yeah. So I'll put the link in the show notes so that people can find it easily. And then my last question is, what advice would you give to a young woman who is considering military service? Yeah, I would say go for it. Go for it, but make sure it makes sense. I think that um, as women, we have to guide other women to, you know, be their best selves. And so if you're going into the military, make it so that you can transition out whether through retirement or through getting out and know that the job that you did in the military makes sense for what you want to be when you get older or get older, get out. Right. So in nursing, I would say that, you know, I'm encouraging my daughter who is now 15 that um, because she's an amazing athlete, I'm like, you know, you can get an ROTC scholarship. She does want to be a nurse. And I'm like, that is a wonderful profession to be in, in the military and out of the military. So whether you retire or get out. So I would say for anybody that goes in, especially young women is, you know, make sure that the, that the MOS that you're going into makes sense with what you're passionate about or what you feel you can make a difference in the world in and something that's translatable for when you get out. Because I always have to say women, we have to take care of ourselves still. And, you know, you, you want to, be able to survive on your own. And that's giving the most power to women as, as much as possible. Yeah, that's really sound advice. When I was looking into enlisting, and even when I became a civil engineer, I didn't put a lot of thought into it. I just did what someone told me to do. And like, I wasn't passionate about engineering. And like, I really enjoyed it, but it wasn't something that I wanted to do. And I think that obviously, like, not everything has to be permanent, right? Because I was a nurse and I'm not no longer a registered nurse, um, civilian or military, but it has to be something that will help you make money. So you can eat. So you can eat. That's what, that's what my dad said. You've got to eat. And I'm like, you're right, dad. I mean, I look back at the time I was like, oh, but looking back, I'm like, man, he just handed me the best advice ever. He's like, you need to be able to support yourself. And I think he was really empowering me so that, yes, of course, I got I got married. I've been in the marriage for 23 years and we rely on one another. But he was really trying to tell me, like, you need to be able to support yourself. You need to be able to be on your own and feed yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well, I really enjoyed getting to talk to you and I'm really excited to share your book and just to stay connected. So I'm just so happy that we got to do this interview. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so delightful. to this week's episode of Women of the Military Podcast. Do you love all things Women of the Military Podcast? Become a subscriber so you never miss an episode and consider leaving a review. It really helps people find the podcast and helps the podcast to grow. Are you still listening? You could be a part of the mission of telling the stories of military women by joining me on Patreon at patreon.com slash women of the military or you can order my book Women of the Military on Amazon. Every dollar helps to continue the work I am doing. Are you a business owner? Do you want to get your product or service in front of the Women of the Military podcast audience? Get in touch with the Women of the Military podcast team to learn more. All the links on how you can support Women of the Military podcast are located in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and for your support.